Hi, this is Cynthia from What Korea Do I Pick podcast. This is a place for you to hear about the different types of jobs that are out there with the hopes that you gain a little bit of clarity in terms of the type of job or career pathway that you might want to follow after graduation. Before we start, I just want to thank everyone who has shared their feedback with me. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or even ideas in terms of the type of role or discipline that you'd like to know more about, feel free to add me on LinkedIn and send me a message. I'm always keen to hear what our listeners have to say. Today, we'll be talking about speech pathology, otherwise known as speech therapy. Speech pathology is all about helping children as well as adults improve their communication, be it oral or written communication. Our guest for this episode is Cheryl Ye. She is a certified speech pathologist with over 10 years of experience in this field. And she also runs her own speech pathology clinic across two locations in Melbourne. Speech pathology is for sure one of the most fun and rewarding careers that I've heard about. So it's definitely worth a listen. Enjoy! Hey! Hey, hi! Nice to see you! Yeah, hold on a second, I haven't got... Oh, hi, how are you? I'm good! I'm very excited to talk about speech pathology because I know bits and pieces and probably what I know is not quite right. So it's funny that we've been friends for over 10 years, but we never really... I never really... I should have actually asked a little bit more about what you do for, for a living. Um, but, um, we no, can... it's okay. Yeah, we can start now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think my parents know what I do for work, like for a living either. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it depends on the relationship that you have with your friends, and you know, unless you you have a lot of things to say about your work, like usually it's like you know the the back door to that is usually like negative things or you got a job promotion or you're going overseas to go, you know what I mean? Like there's something big event. Otherwise, you know, you might rarely talk about work. You just talk about like play and your life and things. And I like that. I like having that sort of balance. So, but I'm all ready to talk about speech therapy as well. If you, if you ask me the questions, I'll give you the answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start by asking you maybe something that's totally unrelated to careers and success and work, etc. So I've got a couple of potential options. I'll just ask you one question. Um, are you a foodie person? I think you are. Foodie? Like football? I don't know. Foodie. Like foodie. <laughs> foodie. Because I was like, football? But food. Oh, 100%. Yes. Foodie. 100%. Okay. Yes. I love food. Yes. Okay, cool. Absolutely. So if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's funny because my husband and I talked about this before and it changes every single time. I think the one food, can I pick a cuisine? Yes. Yeah. If there's one cuisine that um, at the present moment that I know that I can eat <laughs> for the rest of my life, if you ask me two months later, it will be completely different. But for now, it is Korean. Mm, that's handy. Why Korean? Well, I think um, because I've always, I think it just reminds me of like the US, like that's where, you know, I had, I guess, one of my happiest sort of times in my life. Not that now it's not happy, but just very carefree and, and um, great weather, didn't have children, you know, and I was just like, I had like huge social networks and friends and things like that. So um, yeah, that always reminds me. And my mother-in-law lives there. And so she was always making me like really nice food and 
I think that's one that I actually don't get tired, don't get sick of it. Cool. Does Brian? Because Brian, your husband, he's Korean. So does he? Yeah. So he he indulges my. He's like, sure, you like Korean food. That got no problems with that. <laughs> But I don't think he's on the same page. I think for him, it would be Mexican food. Sounds so American. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but like a few months ago, or like maybe last year, was maybe Chinese food. You know, like fried rice. I can probably have that for the rest of my life and not feel sick of it. Um, or noodles. I don't know. It depends. Yeah, it's hard to pick. <laughs> yeah, when you're a foodie person, it's very hard to pick. <laughs> and I, I feel you. I, I do go through seasons like. Times where I'm obsessed and I just keep eating the same thing over and over again, and then, then I move on to something else. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Cool. All right. So if we jump into the world of speech pathology, maybe the first thing that would be good to get out of the way is maybe to talk a little bit about what speech pathology is.、Um, so how would you, you know explain to someone like me who knows very little about it? <laughs> So I would say that speech pathology、um, is also known as speech therapy, and I think that's easier for people to understand. So a speech therapist or speech pathologist is somebody who works with either children or adults、um, to help them with their communication skills. So it can be. In the form of working with people who have stuttering, you know, people who、um, have difficulties with pronouncing words, speaking clearly, people who have voice issues, like you know,、um, maybe after an operation they might have trouble with their voice. We can work with them as well.、Um, they might be, they might have trouble with writing, with spelling properly, and so communicating through writing. We also work with people. Who have those difficulties with spelling, with reading as well?、Um, so it's quite broad, and also with swallowing difficulties. So anything to do with communication, and also yeah, I guess broader terms. Also anything to do with sort of if you look at your biology, anything to do with your like throat and your you know larynx and your mouth, we kind of help with that. I didn't realize there's also written communication,、um, not just oral communication. No, so written communication is a huge one. I think it came probably our scope broadened more and more in the recent years. Yeah,、um, so it probably never started out this way, but definitely recent years, we、um, speech pathologists actually a lot of us、um, do work with children and adults with literacy difficulties. And did you study that in school back in uni? Yep. So I did a an undergrad degree in linguistics first, and then decided that was while that was super interesting and I loved it.、Um, I didn't really know what to do with that degree after.、Um, after working for a couple years, I decided to go back to uni to、um, to do my master's in speech pathology. So when you decided to do your master's degree in speech pathology, why did you pick speech pathology? So I've always had an interest in working with children. So when I, so I'm from Singapore originally, and when I was about, ever since I was like sixteen or seventeen, I remember、um, tutoring children in English. So giving, you know, there's tutoring. It's big in Singapore, and even back then, in the late nineties, I think there were yeah, it was it was already quite popular, and I was yeah giving a lot of tutoring classes, and I I really enjoyed it, I loved it, and and I guess I always like languages, and so. 
that was, I knew that I wanted to work with children. I wanted to help um, children. I think at uni, we had a course in my undergrad, we had a course in phonetics, which is talking about just like sounds of the language, you know, what, what sounds different languages make. And I was fascinated by that. And so um, when I found out that speech pathology, in, if you're a speech pathologist, you get to work with children, you get to help them with their speech to make this, their speech sounds correct. I was like, that sounds like the perfect job for me. <laughs> so I went and did that, <laughs> that course. And yeah, here I am as a speech pathologist. No regrets. No regrets. Absolutely no. It's such a great career. I 100% recommend it to anybody. We'll, we'll put a pin on that because I want to go back to this in terms of why uh, other people should consider this career pathway. So um, you did your master's degree in speech pathology and you know today you have your own business running your own clinic. Can you tell me a little bit a little bit more about how you know how did you get to where you are today? So what was your journey uh, from you know a graduate to being a business owner today? Wow, that's, that's a, big, a question. big question. Yeah, let me start first by telling you that when I, so when I went to uni, uh, when I went to do my master's in speech, I did different placements. So that's part of your course. You, you have to do different placements um, where, you know, you get job experience in a school or in a hospital or at a private business, a private practice. And so I had really amazing placements. One was in a hospital and one was in a school. School. Hospital, I worked with adults, and in school, I worked with um, children, um, school age children. And I absolutely enjoyed both. So, in my placement, I did get to experience hospital and um, a school, and I loved it. So, my dream when I graduated was I just wanted to work at a school and have my own speech therapy room and see lots of children and run like super fun programs and help them with their speech, their language and their reading and writing. That was one dream. And the second dream was to work in a hospital with adults to do, to help them with stroke. You know, if you have a stroke and if you have dementia, whatever you have language loss, I just wanted that. Either one was like amazing. So I found a job at a school when I was, um, when I, after I graduated and I was like, great, I just want my speech therapy room. And it didn't happen because I had this, I was placed in an office with other professionals, like a psychologist, uh, my social worker. And so I had an office that was good, shared office, but I had to travel to like 10 different schools over two weeks. Every, every day I was at a different school. So I was traveling to different schools, I was going in and out of schools and seeing children that way. And sometimes I would be put in a very dirty room with, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't an ideal working condition, basically. They just chucked me wherever there was space. And I still loved it. I still love seeing children, but it was just not what I dreamed of. Um, and so I guess one thing led to another. I guess it was just what job opportunity came up for me. I started working in a private practice for somebody else and I loved it. The ladies were super, they were super helpful. They mentored me, they gave me really good support. And I found that I really liked working with children and parents. So not just the kids, but I also loved talking to parents, you know, unpacking for parents what's going on with their children and just that connection with families. It was quite 
special. Yeah. And so I realized that in school, I could do it, but not to the same level as at a private practice. So I continued on working in private practice as well for other people. And then somehow just landed. Yeah, I guess, you know, after I had my own kids, I was looking for a way to, um, you know, have flexible work sort of conditions. But more importantly, I was still working for the school system as well. So I was doing two jobs. I was working for the school system and I felt just a little bit like I wasn't really adding a lot of value to families because I was going to one school every single day, different schools, different days. And I wasn't part of the school. I wasn't part of anything really. And I just felt like I was wasting the taxpayers' money, so to speak. I wasn't really adding a lot of value. And so I um, decided to just, and my private practice work kind of, there wasn't a lot of clients coming through during that season. So I just decided to just do my own thing. Some, some parents started calling me from a certain suburb in the Western suburbs in Melbourne because I speak Mandarin, that's my other language. And they were looking for Mandarin speaking speech. And I was like, oh, okay, where do you live? And they say this, this place. And I was like, sure, okay, I'll come and yeah, come over to my house. You know, I had an office and they came and they we started start seeing them. And I thought, this is pretty nice. Like I like, you know, that flexibility. And I also like helping the families and having that close relationship. So yeah, and I think some of my colleagues told me that this, um, the Western suburbs were lacking in speech pathologists and also quality speech pathologists. So there was some sort of, there was, I, I just saw that there was a gap, there was a need. And so I decided to just set up shop and see how we go. And yeah, so that was in 2014 when I started doing my own thing, um, seeing clients in a um, location in the West. One thing led to another and I just, yeah, now I, now here I am with, you know, with about 13, 13 employees. So I've got nine speech therapists now and um, four admin staff. The thing that's, I find that it's, it can be really refreshing and can provide other people some um, assurance as well is that sometimes things don't work out the way we dream or the way we planned, but things turn out fine maybe even more than fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things, the number one thing within our profession as speech pathologists as well, which um, I guess it's also the big word of 2020 was pivoting, right? It's being able to pivot, like to be able to be flexible with whatever, just roll with the punches kind of. So obviously you like what you said, you know, I was disappointed a little bit that I didn't have my dream job as what I dreamed you know, not my own speech therapy room with my own little cupboard with all the lovely fun games and things, you know, in my little space. But I just still really enjoyed the work. So I think being flexible and just finding that passion. I just love the work that I did. Maybe it's not in the ideal space, but I still loved the work. And so I decided to create my own ideal space, you know, and be flexible with kind of um, what came, what opportunities came up my way as well. And how do I use that um, and see the positive in that? So that's my um, one thing that I think I've learned. Yeah, Taking ownership and taking initiative to grab onto the opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think um, that's a good, that probably be, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but I think as a speech pathologist, that's one thing that I feel um, we, we, one skill that we're always needing is to be very flexible 
um, with the families, with the children that we work with, if we work with children. So in terms of the day-to-day of a speech pathologist, I understand maybe like no two days are the same. Maybe can you share a little bit more about what you might do with, you know, um, when you're is it like speech therapy session when you're doing a speech therapy? Yeah. Um, what, what goes on in that session, for example? Yeah. So I can tell you, you know, my experience would be from working with children and my experience is working with children in schools or in private businesses in the private practice. And so your day would look like you would see um, a few clients in the morning and some clients might be 18 months old or two years old. So the cute little toddlers, you know, they can't even really walk properly um, or they're just like babbling um, to uh, the next client that comes in could be a 10 year old kid who is in school and you know, who's got difficulties with reading and writing. So it could look like that quite broad, you know, there's just different kinds of children of different ages and different types. Some children might come in with their parents, some children get dropped off by their parents to come and see you. So there's a lot of individual therapy sessions. Some, if you're a little bit more experienced, you will also run some group sessions. So you might have two or three kids in the group and, you know, run, do some games. It's a lot of playing. A lot of people actually question what exactly we do in our sessions because it sounds so fun and like there's so many games and like there's, you know, kids laughing, sometimes a little bit of screaming, sometimes a bit of squealing. But yeah, it's um, it's a lot of playing and um, but with intention, so intentional, purposeful playing definitely and then we also have a lot of in our practice business a lot of supervision sessions as well that we give to our clinicians and and then upskilling off you know maybe attending like a one hour pd um, online or something like that to upskill ourselves so our days kind of you know mostly seeing clients and then team meetings um, upskilling and also during the client sessions talking to parents and finding out what how else we can help them as well so can you share um maybe an an example of a maybe an activity or um an exercise that you might do with the kids um, to help them with a specific speech problem well i can give an example of um like you know working with little children like two-year-old three-year-old kids they love bubbles absolutely love bubbles all the children just fascinated i i'm fascinated by bubbles myself when i see it i'm just like oh my gosh it's so fun but let's say you have bubbles and um you know you want to use it purposefully with the child so rather than just blowing the bubbles and the child just goes and pop all the bubbles or just looking and laughing what we tend to do is we'll blow the bubbles we might put the bubbles away and the child is going to look at us going kind of you know wanting more obviously it's like why are you putting the bubbles away so when the child gives us the look we might say to the child prompt them and say you know um, did you want more bubbles and that's one way of naturally quote-unquote naturally trying to get the child to talk to us to request for more bubbles or you know to point to the bubbles so we use things that the children really enjoy and they really love doing um, to get them to try to talk in. So the bubbles example is one, one way that we do that. 
Yeah, so we have bubbles. We also have other things that we play. We have a lot of games. Whatever games you see at Kmart, we probably have <laughs> in the game section, like, you know, um, Connect Four, Pop the Pig, Pop the Pop Up Pirate. So we've got a lot of those games for the older kids as well. So we teach them turn taking. It's my turn to do it now. It's your turn. Now it's your turn. I know it sounds like everybody should know this, like duh, like kind of thing, but a lot of children actually struggle with that. Your office must be the dreamland for your kids. <laughs> yes, my children love it. They're, in fact, they're always saying, you know, mom, can we can we go to your office? And, or if a toy is missing, it must be in mom's office because that's where all the toys are. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> What's your favorite part of being a speech therapist? I think my favorite part of being a speech therapist is definitely watching a child make progress in whatever goal we're working on. So watching the child make progress is so rewarding and so satisfying. And the second thing in line with that as well is helping the parents to understand their children, like what makes their children tick or grow and develop in that area. So it goes both, you know, both the child and the parents. Definitely those, it's, it's extremely rewarding because you know that you've made a difference in the child and also the parents' lives as well. I'm sure they're very, they're really thankful because they probably like, there's some problems that, you know, as parents, maybe they have no idea how to tackle them. So it's good to see kids you know, sort of improving themselves as well as having fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And a lot of these children that we see, you know, they're, the children that might be labeled like naughty at school or you know the the teachers might just really have washed their hands like no have no idea what to do with the child either and to see some of the children when they come to us make incremental progress and to be able to report back to the parents sometimes and say look you know your child has actually improved in this area sometimes we get tears from the parents like i'm so happy like you know i don't think i didn't think that this day will ever come or you know they've always been naughty and here they're thriving like it's just it's it's great like it's just you know that you yeah like i said that you know that you've made a difference and that their lives are different and the way that sometimes the parents see their children also becomes more positive is quite um is quite special i guess when it comes to doing a session with the, the kids or adult or let's say in this in this case kids would you guys do like a initial diagnostic sort of catch up? Yeah. So how how does that play out? Like the the process. If I, for example, I have a kid. Um, you know, if one day I have kids, I will send them to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 well, you know, if they if they need to see me, <laughs> the hope is that they don't have to see me. <laughs> but I think it's even good, like the skills that you help them develop. You know, communication skills and even like interpersonal skills. I think they're really important. So they don't need to need it I think it's still good yeah anyways so if I had a kid and um, you know if I brought the kid to your clinic what would be I guess the process in terms of that my kid going through you know the speech therapy sessions or yep um, so the reason why we call ourselves pathologists as well is kind of it's like this study pathologist poses the study of causes you know what causes so for us as speech pathologists or in depending on which country you're in in the u.s a speech language pathologist in australia we call ourselves speech pathologists so we really do a diagnostic so we do kind of we study we under try to understand what is going on behind 
the reason why you're not speak, not speaking or not speaking properly or um, stuttering or having some voice difficulty. So we will always do an assessment when we see first see a child. We do an assessment with the child. We also do a lot of talking to the parents because um, the parents, you know, to find out what ha actually happened. Um, was there anything that happened in the birth or even pre-birth, you know, um, pregnancy, uh, birth? And we also try to find out um, if there's any family history of certain, you know, sort of disabilities, um, problems. So we try to uncover as much information as possible. Not that it will necessarily change. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily change our therapy, but it's good to get the whole picture of the child and the family as well, where they're at, how they understand their child, how they understand language, communication, all these things. So we have to do pretty thorough um, assessment. So it usually takes about two sessions, book them in for um, 50 minutes and then for one session and then 50 minutes on another day for another session. Because children take a while to warm up. It's not like, you know, you go to see a doctor and you just like the doctor asks you questions and you're like, yeah, whether you feel a rapport or a connection or whatever, you just answer them, right? Whereas, um, you know, with children, it's a little bit less straightforward. And we don't want to give the wrong diagnosis as well. We don't want to tell the parent that there's something wrong if there's actually nothing wrong, but their child's just a little bit shy you know, because some children take a while to warm up. So yeah, so those are the things that we will do is to try to un assess the child first and then we will speak to the parent, find out what their goals are for their children as well. What do they hope for from seeing us? And then um, tell the parent what we found and what we think is a good goal and try to marry the two. Sometimes our goals are different from the parent's goals, you know, so we try to see what exactly is the most important and then, and most, appropriate and then we book them in for therapy sessions so that the, the, there's a plan that's sort of tailored to the kids diagnosis or the kids problems yeah yeah 100 percent. one thing that we touched on briefly at the beginning of our chat was why other people especially graduates should consider a career in speech pathology or speech therapy which one is the right word to explain, is it speech therapy or speech pathology? Well, so yeah, here in Australia, it's speech pathology. Yeah, so we can say speech pathology. It's just a little bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, so in the US is speech language pathology. I think in the UK is speech language therapist. So I don't know, you know, it's just like the plug. Yes. The, yeah. Every country just has their different plugs. Like why do they all have different ones? Yeah. <laughs> People like to be different or countries like to be different. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyways, why, I guess, why like in your view, based on your experience, based on you know, your passion, why you think graduates should consider um, a career pathway in speech pathologist? No, speech pathology. So I think that it's a great career um, not just obvious for the obvious reasons where, you know, it's kind of, it's rewarding. It's very purposeful. Not that other careers aren't, but I'm saying this is kind of very obviously, um, you know, you get to make a direct sort of impact on people's lives. It is also quite broad. So you can, even though you study speech pathology after that, you can specialize in certain areas. Like if you really wanted to, it's like a doctor perhaps, or, you know, you can specialize in like certain 
niche areas like I just want to work with children with dyslexia or adults with dyslexia and also if you you can also change from working with children to working with adults like you know it's so broad and there's so many different places that you can find yourself working in you could be in hospitals aged care you can be in um you can be in schools you can be in kindergartens you can be early you know um private practice so broad and also there's actually a huge shortage of speech pathologists in Australia so career sort of talking about career security um, or sort of you know job security after it's actually pretty good and there's um, and I think it's also a career that is in shortage not just Australia but also the worldwide so it's quite portable if you go to the U.S. you can just you know do a recertification and you can get job pretty easily there's probably no real speech therapy speech pathology course in asia so if you wanted to move to countries you will be there will be a need for a speech pathologist somewhere you don't have to do your yeah a degree again if you move let's say to the uk not again you probably have to go through certain certifications um, so you have to check which, you know, what their requirements are, but generally it's pretty straightforward. So I, I did mine in the US and I um, just had to recertify, just to do a few, I think maybe one exam or something like that, or just show them. I don't even remember what it was, um, but it wasn't super duper hard. So it, it's in demand. So that's the obvious one. The other one too is flexibility in your role. So there's actually a lot of my colleagues and myself as well, I did have, you know, sort of private practice and I worked half in schools so you can have such it's just so varied in the job that you know and the place that you might want to work in so you have a good taste of different things the other really good thing as well is a is a very um for females and males as well it's a very family friendly sort of work culture in any place that you go to, whether it's hospital or, you know, schools or whatever. So it's great if you were, you know, thinking about family <laughs> planning down the track, you, even if you don't think you want to have a family, this is, uh, you know, just knowing that it's quite family friendly. Maybe I should switch careers. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's very, it's really, really good. And uh, I find that everybody in this, in the healthcare and especially speech sector are very understanding and a lot of employers are very understanding of um, sort of, you know, family circumstances and things. So it's a great, excellent profession. Please come and join us. <laughs> <laughs> what would be, I guess, the qualification requirements? Like, is there a specific bachelor or master's degree that people need to have? So I believe the current route is, um, I think you have to, I think some unis do like a four-year degree. And if you, like me, were looking at a career change, then you probably, you'll do your undergrad and then you will have to do a master's in speech. And that's usually a two-year program. I think in Australia, it's two years for a master's program. Yeah, in speech therapy. So the master's is required. Yeah, if you were doing a career change. Now, if you were, I think, I think there's a route where you can just go straight from uni. I mean, go straight from year 12 and then go into a program to do um, your undergrad in speech. 
Okay, yeah. So for uh, year 12 students who are looking to get into this area, they could do a bachelor of, sort of a bachelor that specializes in speech pathology. It is a tongue twister. <laughs> it is, yeah, that's right. So I do have some families who just, speech, 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 speech therapy, speech therapy. I'm like, yep, speech therapy, that's okay. That's all right. Ooh, maybe we need uh, some sessions. Yeah. I can I can book you in. I'll give you, I'll give you special rates. Thank you. <laughs> um, um, so aside aside from qualifications, you mentioned you know a key skill requirement is being proactive and flexible. What are the other I guess key skills, attributes, characteristics, anything that people should have if they want to get into this domain? Look, I think it's probably quite similar to a lot of, you know, sort of um, fields where you want to thrive. You know, you want to be able to have, well, the number one thing is probably people skills. If you are somebody who, you know, is, who doesn't really enjoy interacting with people that much. I'm not saying that there's no place for an introvert, but if you don't like that building connections with people, then this is probably not the right job for you. Um, but for, you know, that's probably more, the minority but for most people i think you know um, as long as you're you are ready to make connections with people um, if you like people like working with well children or adults if you have i think one of the other key skills that i find the speech pathologist too is people who are just like quite curious to understand what exactly is going on with with this person what is, you know, why are they not talking? Why are they not speaking properly? Why are they stuttering? You know, that's probably another key skill. Having, um, a des I think, just wanting to help people. That's great. Other really, other key skills are probably things that other professions also require. Organizational skills, you know, work ethic. Those are quite obvious sort of um, things that employer, like for me, I would look at you know, for, for a therapist, because having and being obviously flexible, um, flexibility is going to be probably one of the biggest things, like I said, because you never know how your session is going to go. Because you don't, you can't control, you cannot control children, but not the same way that you can control like maybe a computer program, it's your control. If something goes wrong, you can go and fix it. Whereas children, you just don't really know sometimes how they're going to react to you. Yeah, they might go berserk. Oh, 100% all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seems and, like, um, yeah. Seems like it's an adventure. You can say that, yes. <laughs> but it sounds like fun. It's definitely really, yeah, it's very fun, very rewarding. And it's a very, yeah, it's a good environment. In, and in terms of entry-level jobs, so let's say someone's graduated from bachelor degree or master's degree and they want to get into... Let's say they want to apply for a job as a speech pathologist or a speech therapist. Is there a differentiation between what can they apply straight up for, like a therapist role, or is it is there like a more entry level junior role that would be more suitable for a grad, for example? Yeah. So if you're a new graduate, um, you probably want to look for jobs that say new graduate role, because when there is that title then you know that that workplace probably has a program that is suitable to induct somebody new to this profession into our profession basically um so usually if you have a role that says new graduate program then you know that 
you aren't expected to see like five clients or six clients in a day. Um, you'll be eased into the profession because even though you have graduated, you actually have all the minimum requirement, you know, skills. It's a lifelong journey of learning. And so, you know, you, this workplace then will not be giving you very complex clients necessarily. They might give you easier ones, more straightforward ones. They will have a lot of professional support. They will have a lot of supervision because you will need a lot of supervision. A new grad obviously is not the same as somebody who's quite experienced um, in terms of the skill, clinical reasoning. So the thought process, you know, but yeah, so looking up for a new gradual a new graduate role would probably be a good place to start. And there are a lot of bis uh, businesses or workplaces that have that kind of um, role. It just doesn't come up necessarily all the time. Depends on whether they have the facilities and the manpower to help to, you know, um, have help in that role. Would it be like a graduate speech therapist? Yeah, usually it's new graduate speech therapist. Gotcha. Because sometimes I think similar to developers, for example, you've got a developer role, but a developer can have 10 years of experience or it can be like one year of experience or entry level job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the title sort of similar, sort of stays constant. It's just like the number of, regardless of the number of experience, number of years of experience, unless there's some, like, do you guys have like senior pathologist? Yep, so we have senior speech pathologists. Yep, usually depending on which um, organization, um, anywhere between three to five years, you can probably find somebody in that role. Yeah, three is probably a little bit too quick, a bit too quick, but depends on you know what the organization needs and how quickly somebody is able to learn in that role as well. So we've gone through quite a lot of the questions that I had. I, I just want like to close um, this episode by asking you for um, uh, for you to share maybe a piece of advice with students, grads, and even young professionals who might be kickstarting their career or might be growing their career. Um, any piece of advice that might help them, you know, achieve success or achieve their career goals? Um, and it could be something that has worked really well for you and you'd like to pass that on to them. Um, could be things that maybe you wish you had done um, or could be even a piece of advice that you got from someone else um, and that's worked really well for you um, and might work for other people as well. I think my piece of advice probably for people who are new to this profession or thinking about this profession is just always stay curious and always be sort of, yeah, looking for ways to improve your skill set in speech therapy or in you know whatever role that you are in currently and also to keep in touch with your peers especially if you're a new graduate speech therapist or about to graduate speech therapist talk to your peers to get that peer support because sometimes whilst i said all the good things about our profession sometimes our profession can be a little bit isolating because you never you're mostly doing solo work one-to-one -one, you know as opposed to like project work which I think a lot of other, you know, people would do in other professions. So we don't really have a lot of that. So, you know, keep in touch with your peers and reach out to your colleagues. Um, always, always be, find a support group for yourself. You know, a few friends who are in that profession to fall back on. And, and I think that would be a great um, way to keep 
surviving and thriving in your career as well. I completely relate to all of those, especially the first part. Learning doesn't stop after uni. Oh, 100%. It's just the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Feel like it's just the beginning and it's just the more the more you realize you know the more you realize you don't know yes and it can be scary <laughs> yeah exactly cool all right uh thank you thank you so much for having a chat with me it was fun no problems thank you thanks again good luck i look forward to hearing it and yeah thank you we'll be in touch i'll catch you sometime sounds good yes we got a go for our walk which we <laughs> took too many rain checks uh, yes that's right keep keep procrastinating yeah that's right cool good to see you see you take care so that's it guys for today i hope you enjoyed the episode make sure you do subscribe to our podcast so you can stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as well if there is any specific job that you're interested to know more about make sure you leave a comment on our facebook post or messages on facebook at facebook.com slash korea talk australia and we'll try to whip up an episode for you take care and until next time bye